the Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your host, Jason Allen King. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast for the week of February 4th. Um, we are already through the first month of uh, 2021, uh, and you guessed it, things are still pretty bleak. Uh, it's kind of depressing, but we just keep on keeping on. We're in the heart of winter during a year-long pandemic, and we're still plugging away, trying to entertain and, and inform whether they want it or not. Um, that's what we do. I'm not going to say we're heroes, uh, but that's what it sounds like to me. Um, they're going to tell tales about us, Brian, like the Grapes of Wrath. You know, I never read it, but I hear it's like the Beverly Hillbillies in reverse. I am... <laughs> I am excited to be here and talk uh, comedy with everyone out there just because the highlight of my week is getting to see the always busy and talented man behind the curtain, Brian Baltashevitz. How you doing, buddy? You doing all right? Uh, Jason, my wife's making cookies again. <laughs> oh, you guys are going backwards there. <laughs> we're, we're, we are. We are. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's making cookies again and it's, it's, I'm never going to lose weight. No, I'm no, never, not, not going to lose weight. No, not more cookies. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to judge. I'm not going to blame her for it. This is whatever it takes for us to, to keep ourselves sane and, and going forward. That's all that matters. So. Yeah. I have no complaints about it in general, but it's just, it's, it's just in general. I'm just saying that, that I'm getting more, more cookies shoved in my face. Keeping the sugar industry alive (laughs) right out of your house. Uh, we should say uh, hello to our uh, colleague and friend and comedy brother, Will Jacobs, taking care of business and work and life and kids and so on. It's like, guys, um, he's just the best. Uh, we'll be hearing back from him soon on the podcast, I'm sure. So what's up, Will? How you doing, buddy? Um, I mean, let, 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 let's, stop, uh, let's stop chewing the fat here, buddy. I'm super excited about our very patient and special guest for this week. Um, he is proof uh, that you don't need to look outside of Charlotte for a killer headliner. Um, he's been on the show before a number of times, but I haven't had the chance to have this conversation with him. So he was kind enough to drop in again, uh, from his busy schedule. Uh, I've worked with him a number of times, like I said, and I could talk all day about how he's hysterical and he's just an all out killer. Every room, every time he's fearless on stage. Uh, he hails from South Jersey. He started his comedy career, uh, in Charlotte, travels everywhere, enjoys a good cigar. Check out his podcast. Bliss is ignorant. A ton of content on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, he's my friend. He's a funny, funny guy. Check him out whenever you can. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jay Bliss is on the podcast. Welcome, buddy. How you doing, man? What's going on, Jason Allen King? And my man, my man, Brian, man. Brian, I got to give a shout out to Brian, man. Brian is responsible for my first album. Uh, oh, like he did that up with the audio, hooked me up, told me to relax. Was like, I got everything. I take care of everything. Got the microphone, got everything, did the editing. I'm like, yo, Brian was that dude. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah, no doubt. And uh, Jason Allen King, man. So, you, you, uh, let me see. I, I can't even remember how I met you. Yeah. I just know that you just popped up 
and you was everywhere. I was like, yo, this dude is everywhere, man. So it's like a good thing, man. But yeah, good to chop it up with y'all, man. I remember one of the first times, now I'd seen you before, but we hadn't worked together at this point. Upstairs Uh from the Comedy Zone at, it wasn't La Revolution at the time. It was whatever the previous names were. You were sitting at the bar. I I think you had already done a show and we're hanging out with comics. And I came upstairs Mm -hmm. and I literally was like, hey, man, I was like, I think you're really funny. I'd love to talk comedy with you for a minute. I think you maybe are having a drink or something. You were like, yeah, sure. What's going on? And that was it, man. We just, we talked for quite a while, just talking comedy. And you were kind enough to, you know, give me some, some wisdom about where, where you were at, what you were doing. man. It was awesome. That's dope, man. Like, I, I, like I, uh, that's, that's weird. Cause, um, you know, when you're in the space that we're in, um, someone reminded me very early on, like, um, never forget where you were within this business. Mm -hmm. Like, don't right. ever forget that you were the guy walking up to a comedian seeking knowledge. Yeah, don't right. ever forget that you were a comedian middling. Don't ever forget that you were a headliner bombing. Like, don't ever forget, <laughs> like, like those, <laughs> those spaces. And don't feel like you're bigger than any of that. Like, the open well, micer, I can talk to an open micer just as long as I can talk to a fellow headliner. Just because our conversations are different. You know, so... Right. Um, I'm glad that, you know, when people when people bring up stories of how they met you or your first interaction, you don't never want to be the asshole. Right. So uh, I was glad I wasn't the asshole. You know what I mean? There have been no, times that I was. That. Yeah. There's been no, times that I was, but, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, we're all guilty of that here and now and again. But uh, but I have to say that, I mean, that was a because, uh, you know, you were larger than life from from my perspective and where I'm starting and, and who you were. And there's something about you being, you know, local, being someone local doing what you were doing was a big deal and for you to just, I don't know, just kind of turn your seat and be like, yeah, man, have a seat. Like, what's what's going on? What are you up to? Yeah. And I remember, I think at the time you were still working, not, yeah. not just as a comedian, mm-hmm. and it blew my mind. I was like, how is that possible that you're still, still doing that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, it's, I mean, somebody, how, how many comics do we know who are just got it? They got to keep all these other lines of income coming in and how important that is. And, you know, that was a kind of a revelation to me. It was like, oh, okay, this is a real thing. This, this is, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be a challenge as good as this guy is. He's still doing that. Right. Um, I, I don't think that's the, the, necessarily the, the same right now, but uh, for you, but I, I just was, was blown away. And again, I, I can't thank you enough for that, for that time. Um, but I do want to, I want to ask like how, with kind of that in mind, the, you know, the ubiquitous question, like, how are you, how are you been handling the pandemic? And I know you're just a, a busy dude all the time, no matter what, but yeah. how's it going for you? I mean, it's been a year now almost. Yeah, uh, it was tough. It's tough, man. Um, I um, honestly, um, by the grace of uh, God in my book, uh, I'm not, you know, knocking anybody else's religion, but <laughs> by the grace of God. I just, well, been, I mean, I've, I've had some fortunate things have fall in place for me that's allowed me to continue to live in a space that I'm not as stressed as I, that, I, that, I, that most people are in. Yeah. Um, you know, when the pandemic first hit, I mean, my income was, was nothing. I'm like, right. yo, like, I don't know. I was making phone calls. I was like, look, I don't think I'm going to have it. You know, I'm like, I'm like yeah. just trying to figure it out right so 
you know, um, the shows, like I remember my last show right before the pandemic was, was in mm-hmm. March, um, first weekend of March. It was down in Greenville at a benefit that we were doing for cancer research, right? And wow. when I tell you that was one of the best sets I've ever had in my life, it was almost like, yeah, enjoy it because this shit getting shut down. Like, that's exactly wow. how it felt. Really? And it was, like, o- it was you over. Did, like, you knew this was going to be. I didn't know. Like, I, like, I'm ready for my shows going into the next week and the week after. You know what I mean? Right. And then. You get those two phone calls, like both of them were uh, two phone calls, five minutes apiece, two separate days, yeah. $7,500 out of my pocket. Right. And I'm yeah, like, I'm- yeah, I'm like, that's two months. Yeah. That's two months. That's two months income. You know what I mean? I'm like, looking around like, like, and I'm like, oh my God. And like, I'm, I'm sitting there like, man, I got bills. I got rent. I got child support. Right. Um, and I got a car note that I, I just got a car like the, like three months before. Like I was, oh, I was just like, this is not good. So it was it's it was that thing, right? People are gonna talk about not about at least for in the comedy world, right? I think in the entertainment world, people are gonna mm-hmm. have that moment where you're like, hell, where were you when you found out your year was gonna disappear? You know, I oh I ultimately felt like, and you said like like you said, I was working when you met me. Yeah. And I had mm-hmm. two full-time jobs. I mean, comedy is not a part-time mm-hmm. job. So I had two full-time jobs. I mean, I was working eight hours a day, you know, banker's hours. And I, right. I have shows, but there will be nights that I would get off work at five and hit, and hit the highway and drive to Ohio because I was, I was headlining or I was featuring in, in Ohio. So it right. was like, all right, leave, if I leave at five, I get to Ohio by midnight. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, like, you know, you yeah, check into the hotel you wake up in the you check into the hotel, wake up in the morning, log in, do your work, get off work, right. go to the uh, show. You know what I mean? And that was like that yeah. was my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, you know the fact that I really felt like once the pandemic hit, like you shouldn't have left your job in 2016. You know what I mean? Like that was a very, <laughs> that was like one of the first <laughs> things I said. Like, <laughs> uh, did you have a moment where you were like, maybe I go back? No, I put my resume out. Put my oh, yeah. resume out. Yeah, I put my resume out. Had uh, two interviews, uh, wow. and but surprisingly, like uh, most of my job interviews, even whether it be over the phone or in person, half of the interview was about comedy. No kidding. Mm. They're like, fast. so you do stand up comedy? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, let's talk about it. I'm like, this ain't gonna really gonna help me to get the job, is it? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like it's, you know, they're just amazed. I mean, they're amazed that they see that on the resume, and they go, yeah. "So you do stand up comedy?" I'm like, "Yeah." So obviously, when you tell somebody you do stand up comedy, the first thing they're gonna do when they look at the resume, they're gonna Google you. Yeah, right. Then they're gonna right. look at the clips. So then you're in an interview yeah, talking man. about a joke you did. I'm like. Is this appropriate? Uh, oh. Is this appropriate? You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like, oh, like no. I know, right? So that's crazy. Oh my yeah. god! Did yes. you get on somewhere? Is that what you're doing? You got no, nah, no. Nah, I didn't get on anywhere. Uh, tick me off to no end because uh, <laughs> one, one job interview. Wow. Look, man, listen. I was in a specialized field, man. I was working in corporate America. I was working at. Uh, I was working in banking for 17 years. Right. 17, I mean, you know, before that, I was working in uh, corporate America in, uh, in a district manager capacity for four years. So I was in a very specialized field when it came to banking. So I know my, I know my shit. Right. So when I went into the interview, this interview was right in my wheelhouse of what I used to do. 
I had only been out of it for three and a half years. So when I'm in an interview, I'm, I'm breaking everything down to the person very seriously. No jokes. Like I'm, I'm breaking everything down to the person. He's, <laughs> That's awesome. he's literally talking to this manager who's on a screen in, in California and they're interviewing me as well. And I'm giving them information that they hadn't thought about with this project they're trying to complete. Oh, wow. And they're like, well, we didn't think. I was like, you can't, you can't get this done without doing this. Did you even talk to this department? And they're like, no. Like, well, you got to go to operations, talk to them. Blah, blah. And I'm giving all the information. I'm like, that's the first step you would need to do. I said, like, then you can get to this part and you get to this part. I was like, you'll probably get this done in like seven months if you had all the, all the necessary funding. So they go through the whole thing. I go through the whole thing, man. And then like, a, like two days later, the lady called me and was like, yeah, she said you didn't, she didn't feel like you was going to be a good fit. I was like, what? I was like, I, I'm not gonna be a good fit. I was like, I was like, I told them how to do the project, and like, I got done. I was so mad. This is how petty I am, Jason. <laughs> I can't wait. So I was pissed off because the guy. Here's the crazy thing: the guy that interviewed me worked with me at Bank of America, but I oh, was wow. interviewing at Wells Fargo. But when they told me about the position, they said it couldn't be remote. It had to be on site. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. And then she said, well, I talked to the hiring manager, and he said he remembered a guy that did comedy at the bank. And then I told him your name, and he said, yes, he knows you. So she gave me the dude's name. I still didn't know who it was. But I went to the interview, and I got to the interview. I'm like, yeah, you do look familiar. I do remember you. You know what I mean? I saw you at some after-dinner thing at work one time. So he, he... he wanted to interview me because he knew who I was. Then he said he didn't feel like I was going to be a good fit for the team. Wow. So this how, is this how petty I am, right? I was like, all right. I said, I want to get the job just so I can go downtown and go in the elevator and see him in the building. I, I just want to get hired at Wells so I can go in the inter- elevator. He's like, hey, how you doing, Jay? And I'm like, don't speak to me. Yeah. Uh, or, like, or the other thing is, this is what I did. And I did this. I'm not even making this up. I looked at what his position was. Then I went on the recruiting site and saw that his boss boss position was open. Oh man! And I applied for it <laughs> and got an over the and got an over the phone interview. I got an over the phone interview, and I was like, "Man, if I get this second interview, I was like, I was like, boy, if I get this second interview, because I wanted to get that job so I could walk in the first day and be like, you and you both of y'all fired." Get the hell out. <laughs> Do not cross Jay Bliss. Uh, put that nah, on. I, lit- I literally applied for his boss's job. Holy shit. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but you're keeping your head above water, though, now, right? I mean, after all yeah, that, you're. Uh, yeah. I'm able to, um, I'm able to, you know, still swim above water. Um, I, I do shows sparingly, uh, but, you know, yeah, just different sources, I'm... different sources of income, uh, you know, have have come in, and I'm working on another uh, business model right now. And I'm not going to discuss on the podcast, but there's there's that's another thing you might hear about it. You might hear about it. You might hear about it uh, like a couple couple months down the line, but I can't talk about it right yeah. now. It's, it's like real hush hush. Yeah, <laughs> we almost got him, folks. We almost got him. Yeah. What's funny yeah. is that I even had on here. I was like, "Oh, what do you do in the pandemic? Are you kind of like lazy? You eat food, watch TV, or are you always keeping yourself busy?" Of course, of course, you're a busy guy. You're not. You don't slow down. Yeah. Nah, I gotta, I gotta keep it moving, man. Uh, you got too much brain power for that. 
<laughs> I got I got kids to raise, man. I can't even still. I used to always say if I was if I'm in town, I'm not making money. I used to always say that if I'm not in town, I'm not making money. And and um and and now I'm a, I am in town all the time. You know what I mean? Right. But and that's crazy because uh you know it's like uh I'm just sitting still so that I don't cost myself more money. <laughs> right. You know, it's like you got to make yeah. money, but you got to make sure you're not doing anything that's going to cost you more money. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, you think about how much money you spend on the road. Totally. Hey, listen, I got spreadsheets. I got spreadsheets on how to, you know, not not eat out, take stuff with me to to, how much does this cost? Does this route take have tolls? Like things like that. Or you think about it, you know, I mean, I don't go quite to the to the penny or anything like that. But I definitely uh, have some trips that I've done a number of times. I know. A little bit about that kind of stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah. a smart man told me one time. He said, "Make figure out a way to make money every day. Doesn't mean you have to make a lot of money. So make money every day. Figure yeah. figure that out. So yeah, uh, you know. So yeah. I've been getting into GameStop stocks and just changing my life, man. You know? <laughs> hey, man, listen. Let me tell you something, man. If I- when I saw that little boy that bought ten dollars worth of Game GameStop stocks and went and got three three thousand dollars, I was like, he got three thousand dollars from ten dollars. I was like, listen, man. I was like, man. So you you mean tell me all I had to do was buy a thousand dollars worth of the GameStop stock and I would have had three hundred thousand dollars? Like that would have been crazy, man. So this is life changing money that these people did. On that is, but you know, it's funny. It's funny that. Uh, Reddit is the reason why this shit went sideways. And it's like, oh, man. all you need is a social media outlet. Like, all you need is just a following. Like, a following. You can do yeah, all man. kind of shit. Like, just imagine if you had 2 million followers. Right? Think it's of the like, dumb shit. It is Think of the lame. dumb shit I can get people to do. Yeah, I can get them. <laughs> I mean, 2 million followers. I'm like, yo, everybody everybody send me 50 cents. Like, everybody send me 50 cents. We already established that you're petty, so we definitely yeah. know that you get, you'd be getting away with some shit. <laughs> everybody, send me, everybody send me 50 cents, and if I can get 50 cents from 2 million people, I will split the money with one follower. <laughs> like, yeah. that's so, so, so. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Who wouldn't say 50 cents? Like, like, you got a chance. Like, you have a chance. You have a chance. You know what I mean? Like, like why wouldn't you say? You you, spend, you played a lottery for $2. Dude, so you're I'm like a like, superhero. What are we if doing? If I what? had 2 million followers, I would tell them, listen, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> it's only going to cost you 50 cents. You know what I'm saying? Everybody send me 50 cents. That's too many people sending you 50 cents. I was like, yo. I'm going to pick one follower randomly. I'm going to put all 2 million people's names in a, in a, in a spreadsheet. And I'm going to randomly pick a person and I'm going to send them half of this money. That is amazing. People would, That's people would, would you, you would put your 50 cent in, won't you? Oh, well, yeah, I would. That's what, yeah, I'm, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Why would I? Of course, 50 cents is nothing. I'll go to my car. It's on the floor of my car. <laughs> That's what I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah. man. That is, again, it's, it's all life changing money, life changing experiences, right there. That's amazing. Man. Absolutely. Right, we We're twenty minutes. All right, so let me get. Let's get into this now. Now that we know what your future is going to be when you get all those followers, um, <laughs> uh, I, I want to know. I don't even care what the people listening want to know. I want to know kind of what was your origin story, man? How did you get it? Because you clearly weren't in. I don't know if you had done performance prior to this, whether you were younger or whatever. Like, what got you into comedy? Where tell tell us about that. My my uh, I guess my stage presence uh, ultimately came from um, 
high school talent shows as far as dancing. I was a dancer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You were a dancer. I was a dancer. And I don't be Did like, get, I, there any old I wasn't videos like a, I wasn't a, oh yeah, I got a video somewhere on YouTube. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I was in this group in high school. Um, I was in this group in high school. We used to practice every day, whether we had shows or not. We would practice every day. We would practice made up dance routines, emulated dance routines. Yeah. We would put our own moves in and then emulate moves that we saw from people do routines. No and we would just we would just be on stage and we used to we used to travel and do these talent shows and we were like a big wow. deal uh how, but how old were you when this is going on i was in high school so we started i, okay. I think we started i joined there i would join the group in about 10th grade i think i was in 10th grade yeah. so 10th 11th and 12th grade it was all okay. yeah it was all that all that all the time wow. working going to work doing work working my job and and dancing for talent shows that's what i did so that's where my initial being on stage presence came from. Yeah, you just but, blew my back. That's cool, man. Right. That's but cool. then, like, as I, as I got through college, like, college, I did, I did talent shows in college. Uh, I did, um, I did uh, hosting. I hosted a homecoming concert in college. That was a whole gymnasium wow. full of people. That didn't scare me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was never right. nervous about being on stage and talking in front of people. Sure. So, you know, when I got to corporate America, presentations, all kind of stuff like that just didn't bother me. And then one yeah. event I had to go to where I had to do this presentation last minute. I wasn't prepared for it. And I, I, uh, I had the after lunch crowd mm-hmm. at a presentation in New York and in Boston. And They're we went drowsy. to New York first. Yeah, we went to New York yeah. first. And uh, I went, I, I was nervous. I don't know why I was nervous. I was nervous because I didn't, ha- I wasn't prepared. I'll put it that way. Sure, sure. The only yeah. reason I was nervous because I wasn't prepared and I didn't feel like they prepared me enough. Everybody else had a month to do their presentations. I had four days. Yeah. So I was there. All the corporate executives were there. It's right after lunch. So it's 100% attendance. Nobody's oh. cutting out early. Nobody's yeah. late. Everybody's there. Mm-hmm. So it's like 300 something people. That's a good crowd. And I walk out. I walk out on stage, and I'm doing this presentation, and I just reverted to being funny, man. <laughs> and when I tell you, like a roar of laughter in a corporate setting, like man. throughout my whole presentation, yeah, like right. you would thought it was a comedian on stage. No kidding. And uh, when I got done, like like months after, like a couple years after, people will be get on conference calls and go. Hey man, are you the guy that was in New York at that presentation? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. They're like, man, you are funny as I don't know what. We still laugh at that. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you remember anything you said? I'm like, man, I have no idea what I said. You know what I mean? I said, like, they said, man, all we do is all we remember is laughing. I said, all we remember is laughing. We laughed about it that whole night. You know, afterwards we went out to dinner. We was laughing about it. So it was like one of those things. And then like it always stuck with me. So then. Do you consider you know that your first your first open mic? Not like even, not even, man. I yeah. um, I felt like um, I felt like that was just me being at work because it wasn't any material, if you will. It was mm-hmm. just me being my natural self. So if I had stepped on stage for the first time and me trying to be myself, I wouldn't have any subject matter. I would have been over there rambling, but I was actually talking about something I knew, which was my job and and the product that I was in charge of. But I was just made it a a funny uh scenarios that I had with. Like with the client and stuff. Yeah, so right. oh, that's great. Um, 
So then, like, my friends was like, man, you keep talking about going doing comedy, man. Don't talk about it no more, man. We don't want to hear about it unless you're going to do it. Ah, uh, yeah. So I went online. You got peer pressure into it. That's not it. Not even that. Like, it was just more or less like, like they were just kind of like, like, uh, like, uh, stop talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? And um, so I went online and paid my money for the Comedy Zone comedy class. Yes. And I was introduced to a whole world of people that I didn't even know. Right. And, you, you, know, started, I was, yeah, you started fresh. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just came out and, of nowhere, and I, took the class, and then did you ever look back, or did you just you just hit the ground and just took off? That was I, it. Was, a nat- I was a natural on stage, man. Like, yeah. it was not even – it wasn't even um, – it wasn't even a, I knew I belonged on that stage. Yeah. Like, as soon as I hit that microphone and said, what's going on? Like, it was just, like, yeah, you're, 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 you're supposed to be here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember, because I, I did the class as well, and, and it, I remember, I tell the story at the time about, I think it was about the second class in, uh, I, my girlfriend at the time, who, who, who kind of got us into it, I was like, this is a problem. I'm enjoying this so much. This is going to affect my the f- my future. This is going to affect my life because mm. I how much this makes sense and how much I'm enjoying this. So I know exactly. I think what you know feeling you're describing. Uh, yeah. Now, so did you develop? So was your style then kind of what it is now? Did you choose a style? Did you was there a direction you went? Like how do you develop from already feeling you got kind of your legs under you a little bit? Did you, what was your plan of development or did it, you know, in hindsight anyway? I did. I didn't know what I didn't know. Like, um, you know, yeah. I, I think I felt like I found my voice early on. Like I felt like I felt mm-hmm. my voice early on because I knew what I wasn't talking about. Like mm-hmm. I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be on stage talking nonsense. Like sure. everything that I, everything that I felt like I needed to say was going to be said. Uh, it was going to have meaning behind it. And it was going to have humor behind it. But it was going to be impactful. Like, that's what I felt like yeah. I needed to do with my comedy. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. not a whole bunch of nonsensical bullshit on stage. Right. So um, I felt like uh, when I first started, I go, you go back and look at your first five minutes now, you're like, oh, that shit was horrible. <laughs> like, I was just trying to get through the time, right? But, yeah. but, but, but I also look at um, how green I was as far as how uh i would say how telegraphed my uh premise was uh-huh you like, saw hey, you guys you, you it, ever so. wonder yeah like what did I, like, you ever wonder i like dude that was horrible like you should have just said it you know what i mean like, <laughs> like, 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 like i love it oh, yeah you, you know um it, but I you know people, i work in film and and i always tell the people ask me they're like you how do you watch movies now and i'm like listen i enjoy movies the same the only difference is I can see the seams, right? So bad movies have gotten worse. Good movies have gotten better. That's how. Yeah. That's kind of how I kind of am looking at comedy a little bit now, although I'm not as seasoned at comedy as I am sort of in the film world. It sounds like that's the same kind of a deal. You're like, oof, seeing, you know, all your mistakes, yeah. all your, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, you, like you, see, you see the, uh, the chattiness of yourself on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you not getting to the funny fast enough, you know, things like right. that. All the stuff you see a younger comic do, and then you get yeah. you get on them about it and go, hey, yeah, man, like you lost the crowd because you're talking too much. Yeah, cut you know all what that. I mean, it's like cut yeah, all cut all, all that, cut all that out, man, and just get to you know <laughs> what you what you want to ask them. You know what I mean? 
But uh, yeah, I uh, I would say that the very beginning was was interesting because the group I started with, um, and it's two comedians that I started with specifically that are still doing comedy. Um, one is Joe Zimmerman, and the other is uh, Carlos Valencia. So both of those guys, yeah, both of those guys, we we were hitting the streets pretty regularly. Um, you know, hitting the open mics, trying to get better, sharpening each other's it's skills. That's some talent in that group you just mentioned, right? It there. is. It is. Um, and then I got missing for a little while because I had twins. So, you know, <laughs> twins was born. Twins was born. I was full. I was full You're on short daddy. Short material or something? What was that? Nah, full on daddy mode, man. Like, <laughs> this, this was my this was my uh, my wife at the time. This was her first experience with children. Like, so yeah. she, not only had she not had children, she had no experience of raising them. So she just was always like a kid, had her sisters, and that was it. And that was it. Like they didn't have any babies around them. So yeah. when I when we had the twins, I'm like, yo, nah, let's let's go ahead and let's get it. She was like, You familiar <laughs> with this? So I'm like, hell yeah, I had nieces and nephews and little cousins. <laughs> Look, grab them like this. You know, like, like you know, so they was full on daddy mode, man, until yeah. you know, she got very comfortable with with the whole process. And then it was like, all right, let me try to get some gigs. I mean, try to hit the road again. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man, that's amazing. Having kids in the middle of all that's that's amazing, man. Yeah, two uh, well, years after we, I started. We're having a, a great conversation. It's so easy to talk to, man. Uh, and uh, But we want to take a quick break. We're going to pay the bills. Uh, and we'll be right back here in just a minute, everybody. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care feels like home because video visits bring my provider to me. Ortho Carolina. My care, my way. Schedule your in-person or virtual appointment today at orthocarolina.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Comedy Zone podcast. I'm Jason Allen King. Uh, we've got the very talented and hysterical uh, Jay Bliss uh, is with us, and we're having this great conversation about uh, his career, uh, learn a lot about uh, him and how petty he is. His words, uh, not mine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, as we were talking, we just found out you had, uh, you know, twin girls. Now let's let's fast forward to kind of where we're at right now. Let's as we're looking back. Um, I think, like you as a comedian, you were an, just incredibly confident, fearless comedian. Is, a, is the best word for me to describe what you do. You can even alluded to it when you're talking about how you wanted everything you say to have something behind it. Um, I think it would be hard to debate that. Um, I like to ask comedians to define their style of comedy. Like, how would you define your style? I ask for two reasons. One, because not everyone can do it. Two, I want to see if it matches kind of what my thoughts are. How would you describe your style? Uh, My style, I would describe it as a a thought-provoking misdirection Thought-provoking, misdirection, observationalist. All right. 
Um, <laughs> so goddamn so what it comes down to, like what it bo- what it basically boils down to is, um, most of the material that I try to present, I try to present jokes that whenever someone else is in that situation again, they immediately think of me. <laughs> All right. So whatever, whatever, whatever I'm talking about, I can be talking about drying your ass with a towel. Right? And, right. and I want the joke to be so good. I, I, I want the joke to be so good <laughs> that the next time somebody <laughs> drying their ass with a towel, they're gonna be like, God damn Jay Bliss. Like that, like that's like that's that's what that's what my goal is for yeah, every joke that. that I write. So Just it's like when I tell what's gonna happen. Yeah, when I tell a joke, I when I tell a joke, man, I want people to think of me when they think I don't care if somebody else has that material. I yeah, don't care right. if somebody else has that premise. If someone else is doing that premise, I still want people to go, that's a good joke. But Jay Bliss's joke about that same material was way better. You know what I mean? Like, that's how, that's how I want it to be. Yeah. That is awesome, man. That is fantastic. Yeah. All right, I, right. And I, I appreciate the, the uh, saying thought-provoking. Um, right. On top of it being memorable like that, there's some, there's some stuff. And I get me, you, we, you were writing a joke that you let me in on. We were in West Virginia. Right. I forgot, Jay, Jason, with, you with, haven't been around for a minute. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 that's not even open anymore, that one. I, I started, I tried that joke the first time we was in West, that's right, we were in yes. West Virginia. You are absolutely right. Yes. Where we were, I remember, and that joke's phenomenal, man. Like, that is a joke that's just, you know, it, you just, you're walking away with it. Like, no matter what you've done the whole night, you're walking away with that joke because it is awesome. I'll that's, leave it at that. It dude, is awesome. that is, that's funny. That's funny you said that. <laughs> that's so, you know, I'm thinking about that at that moment. They don't, I don't, that club's not open anymore. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember being uncomfortable about doing it there too. Sure. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've I remember being uncomfortable about doing it there. Right. From West Virginia in there. And it, it's definitely that right. joke. Right. Right. Yeah. But it did work. And I, if I look at it now, like I hated the way I did it at that moment. But I, obviously, you got to start from somewhere and then do it, right. you know what I'm saying, get it down to the thing, which takes me to another point. You were there uh, when I did the show at the brewery outside. Yeah, that's right. And you think about where it went to that point. Like those people out in the parking lot was like, wasn't expecting that at all. They're like, why is he talking about that right now? You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. I think people yeah. are, this is this again, why I go to fearless, man. It's, it's, you are pushing people to, to, to be in the position that you want them to be in. And that is uncomfortable. And that is, mm-hmm. I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word, but you're definitely putting people in a place where you got to, you know, take stock where they're at. How do you act? How do you think about these things that I'm saying right now? You know, and you as a black guy saying this to them. And because you remember that show we did out at the, that, real that country club, country club, dude, I've that never done anything like that on, cause I want to, and this is like old, real wealthy. I'm not talking about rich people. These were wealthy people. Listen, man, that, I, uh, listen. So between, between you and me, <laughs> I, I guarantee you, the, the poorest person in that room, uh, the poorest person in that room was just over a million dollars. Yeah. As far as income. You can just tell. You can just tell about yeah. how they carried them. These, these were, when you said the right thing on stage, you said, like, I guess we performing for the, the 1%. <laughs> 1% that's right. And I was like, oh, shit. And I'm laughing. I'm like, I, I was like, I don't even understand why I'm here. 
Like I, I, was, <laughs> I knew I made a wrong turn. I remember when I got on stage, I said, listen, so if a black person moves in here, do y'all just blow everything up? Like, do y'all just... <laughs> like, I, yeah. like, y'all can't exist anymore if a black person move in this neighborhood. Like, I already know that. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but it was it, funny because you said the same thing to me that night. You said, you said, uh, how can you be so confident? And I was like, I looked in the room. I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill them. I was like, I'm gonna, I looked in the room like, y'all like, I'm going to kill them. I said, I'm going to yeah. kill them. I said, there's going to be some tight assholes in here tonight. Straight yeah. up. Because I knew I was going to get uncomfortable with that crowd. Because I was uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, mean, so I walk into a room. I'm the only black person in there, right? These people don't have my background. I don't have their background. And I got I to gotta make you laugh for 45 to an hour? That's the part. that you. That's it right there. It's not just yeah. that these people are wealthy or just the, there is the disconnect between me and these people, right? And like right. you said, I'm a white guy with these people is miles apart. Add, add on ethnicity, where you grew. I don't know where you, I mean, Jersey, I don't know, whatever. But I mean, there's, it just keeps getting further and further away. And yet you went in there and absolutely brought the house down on these people from yeah. right from the jump, man. It just right. was one of the coolest things that I've seen. One of the most impressive uh, comedy moments that I got a chance to witness. It was awesome. Man. Right? I'm, not I'm, from, I'm from Camden, New Jersey which most people will recognize as the murder capital of the world, right? <laughs> murder capital in the United States. I mean, we held the murder capital title for at least six straight years wow. before Chicago took it over. And we talk about one city in New Jersey, but right. it was per capita, and that's why it was so high. But that's where I'm from, right? Um, but to see those people and to know that I was going make them laugh the way I was going to make them laugh. The, yeah. the, the idea behind it is you don't have my background, but I still have enough information to know what's going to make you laugh. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and my jokes aren't catered toward black people. They're not catered toward white people. They're catered toward people. There's something so, about you making it, you make it a level playing field by, by, the things that you talk about, I think maybe there's something in that. I'm, I'm just sort of talking sort of out, out, out my ass here a little bit, but it seems like you go in there and make it that level playing field. You put everybody in the same. Right, because I don't hide the fact, I don't hide the fact that I'm black. Like, that's right. definitely going to come out, right? They and knew. I don't, right, exactly. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is in a situation like that, very similar to if it was, if it was reversed, right? So if you went into an all-urban room, right? Sure. You're not going to not address the fact that I'm a white dude standing on this stage. And we're not going to overlook this whole situation at the same time, right? So it's like, so those things have to happen. So for me to address the elephant in the room, you did too. You addressed the elephant in the room for your, when you got on stage saying, hey, it was the 1%. I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. And then, so then I go to me getting on stage and I'm like, so y'all ain't got no black friends that y'all gonna brought out to make me feel a little bit more comfortable? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? And then, so, you know, it's kind of like get that all out of the way so that we can yeah. not be nervous in here. You know what I mean? So. And yeah. there's something, the, the technical side of it too, the, the, the te- building of tension and releasing of tension and, and you know, it's uh, it, releasing that first bit of tension. It's sort of like that first hit in football. You know what I mean? Or the mm-hmm. first, you know, hit in base. Whatever you once you do that, you're like, okay, we're we're in the middle of it now. I can I can do this. So, um, yeah. 
Man, that's that's really fascinating, and I think you're spot on with your style. You know where you're at. Of course, you do. I mean, you're you're a pro, um, so it's kind of fun to to hear you talk about it. Um, now, mm-hmm. now again, from the perspective of where we're standing right now, um, I see you have a ton of content on on all your social media pages. Is there a goal that you're going to like beyond comedy to whether it's writing, acting, developing, you know? whatever it might be. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, you going somewhere with some of this stuff or is this just comedy that's, has kind of taken over your life? It's kind of the latter, you know, it's like, um, I don't have, I know what I'm comfortable with. Right. Someone says, uh, what's your ultimate goal, right? What's your ultimate goal in comedy? Right. Right. Uh, my ultimate goal would, would be really nice for me. And I think I would love being comfortable in that space. Is the work three weeks, three weeks out of every every month, <laughs> right? What are what like, are the main worry, have, right? And <laughs> not worry, not worry about whether they're like, oh, do he sell? Does he not sell? Right. Can he can he fill a room? Because we already know we're funny. We already know this. Sure. You know, it's like, can you do a weekend? Yeah. Can you do an hour and a half by yourself? Yes. It's like, those are not the questions you need to be asking. What I need to want to know is, if I call your club and I say, can I have a week in February? You go, absolutely. And here's four more weeks for our other four clubs. Like, (laughs) thank you. I want to be, right. So if I can work three weekends or three weeks, I'll say weekends, but you know how we do. Three weeks out of every month, I'd be great. They'd be like, yo, are you a successful comedian? I'd be like, absolutely. I've never heard of you. I don't give a damn. I'm working. I'm working. You know, that's what you yeah. want to be able to do. The thing about it is, is uh, every comedian's goal is not to be famous. It's not. Everybody doesn't, doesn't have to be famous. But if you give me right. steady work and I'm able to get in front of people on a regular basis and just stand there and do what I love doing, I feel like that would be the biggest success I could dream of. I could do without all the social media following. I could do without all the nitpicking. And did you hear what he said about gay people? Did you hear what he said about white people? Did you hear what he said about ministers? Like, I could do without that. I don't need a cancel culture. One thing I will never do, and I told somebody else this, I will never apologize for a joke. There you go. I don't care what I say. You will never see me say, on behalf of me and my family, I apologize <laughs> if I've offended anybody. I'll be like, man, if you don't get the heck out of my face with that BS, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. So, I love it. Yeah. There, there is a, uh, I'll call it a maturity to, to the response to that question because you're right. I think you know, there's the pie in the sky where I'm like, I want to be, I want to be Kevin Hart. I want to be famous. I'm going to do this and that. And yeah. that isn't always the goal. The, the, right. not, not having to fight for every single weekend that you get. And this isn't me. This isn't me. This isn't what, what I do. I'm saying for someone like you, who's talented, who's reliable, who's just going to beat up every room that he goes to having to fight for every headlining spot that you get. And I'm not suggesting that, that, that that's every fight, but I know, I've talked to enough people to know that yeah. some people that are, who are who are not exhausted from comedy, they're exhausted from the fight to get these 
to get the time to get the weekend. Mm-hmm. You're not Absolutely. famous enough. You're too you're you're too good and not famous, so I can't put you in in these places. <laughs> I keep hearing that more and more. The more oh yeah, I'm- that happens, man. Listen, be careful how how good you write there, Jason. Like, yeah. be careful because like you can you can write yourself into a hole. You know what I mean? It's like it's funny. It's funny, man. When I <laughs> I don't care whose toes I'm stepping on, I really don't. If you, if you listen to this and your feelings get hurt, I might be talking about you. When you see somebody who constantly is on the road as a feature, I mean, this they can't get they can't get a day off. You're not that good. You're not that good. So it's like, it's, it, I tell people all the time, if you're, they'd be like, man, such and such took me on the road. And then as soon as I got off the road with them, I was on the road three more months with such and such. And then I got on the road with them. I was on the road. With, and I go, yeah, man, you're not good, man. You're not, you're not good. And they go, they go, what do you mean? I go, you are just good enough to be great in the middle. Right. But you're not a threat to anybody. Because they wouldn't be taking you on the road everywhere. They would be like, yo, you need to be headlining. Right. And they're going to keep looking at you in that light because you need to be that monster. You need to be the person where someone go, man, I ain't trying to follow that. Right. You want to scare them. I want to scare who's right. behind me. That's right. I, and listen, I mean, every time I work with you, I love going up after when you finish because I go, Jason is going to have them in a great place. I don't need to do extra work when you're done. I don't have to get up there and go, hey, man, I apologize for the bullshit you just saw. Let's talk about him for four minutes, y'all. Let's talk about nonsense. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to say, all right, you know, he got got the the crowd worked up. I'm warmed up. I'm in the back doing shadow boxing. Ready to go hit the stage, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you don't get that all the time. I mean, For since sure. the pandemic, I've been blessed to be able to work with the same features pretty much. So I pretty much know I'm going to be able to have strong people in front of me. But, yeah, you know, I'm waiting for that day where that young monster gets in front of me and I go, shit, I don't want to go up there. <laughs> I don't know, man. I want I'm, that to happen. You have that in you to, to say that. Uh and and I, I just to take a quick sort of sidestep uh, from kind of from what we're talking about. Again, I, I went and watched some of your stuff and listened to some of your conversations you have on there. And you have a couple things that I found uh, interesting. Some things are political in nature. You've got uh, the, your HBCU stories on Facebook. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think it would be remiss not to bring up uh, Vice President Kamala Harris coming from an HBCU first. I, I mean, is yeah. that something that you uh, have – I mean, you got you got twin daughters. This has got to be yeah. a significant sort of historical moment. I just wonder, is that something you wanted to talk about at all? Yeah, man. HBCU stories is something that started with the pandemic, man. Um, you know, it was like a space in time. I was like, man, I need to fill up my week. I need to find something that'd be interesting for people to do or yeah. look at. And I started reaching out to people I went to college with and graduated with and started doing this panel discussion on your HBCU experience. Tell me about your historically black college and university experience when you were in school and tell me what was, what was it like? And there are hundreds of HBCUs across the country. So obviously, you know, you get to reach out to people that went to different ones, but mm-hmm. the stories are very similar. Yeah. It's very similar. What well, one people, some people don't understand is 
when you go to a, uh, we call it PWI. PWI is a predominantly white institute, mm. uh, institution, right? Uh, like, you know, your Dukes or your Carolinas, or your Clemsons and things like that. Kind of, uh, the University of South Carolina, stuff like that. But then you have your HBCUs, which is probably sometimes in the same city, like maybe right down the road or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those were created, you know, back in the day when black people weren't allowed to go to colleges, PWIs. We had to make our own schools. They had to, they had to open up their own schools. And it wasn't that black people. That this was country, that was in America, right? That's crazy. This country, yeah. So, um, you know, we had, we had the HBCU experience. Now, I went, to, I went to my HBCU in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. But when I tell you that was the best decision I ever made in my life, it, it would, I, if I had it to do it all over again, if I had straight A's, valedictorian, I would still go to HBCU. No kidding. And, and the reason why is because, and, and I'll give it to you this way, the faculty and staff at an HBCU, whether they're black, white, uh, Hispanic, Indian, African, whatever they are, they have a vested interest in your success. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. You're not going to get that at a PWI. And when I say they have a vested interest, you might have a professor call you on your phone and say, <laughs> young man, why are you not in your class today? No kidding. And you're no, like, I did not get I, that. Uh, I had, and, they, and they go, you got 20 minutes. You got 20 minutes, sir. Now, that might be happen. It might happen one time, mm-hmm. but it happened. And then that professor is going to ask you a question and say to you, so what are you trying to do? Because this is not thorough enough. This is not what we need. Yeah. I've had assignments that I've handed in and I had a professor go, this is good, but this is not A work. Mm. Now you can hand it in and you can leave it that way or I can give you another day and you can come bring it back at the same time tomorrow and see if you can improve upon that. It's your choice. What, what would you do at that moment? You right. see what I'm saying? So it's like, and it's funny because the translation from those that went to HBCUs, Kamala Harris is a perfect example. They're thorough. Very thorough. And when mm-hmm. they come out, it's like polished. And I, and I, and I, was, I was amazed when I got to corporate America mm-hmm. and I saw the work that my, my, my coworkers were putting out that graduated from these top-notch schools. Yeah, and they were going. Well, why? Why is your presentation that? Why your presentation as good as uh as Justin? <laughs> like, right. what? like, like. Well, he just did extra. Like, yeah, that's what I, that's what he was taught to do. Do extra, and it was like it's embarrassing. And it, was, it, it is. It's very. It's very embarrassing, man. And it's like yeah. uh, it, it's just it's a great, great, great experience, and it's a family. It's not even. Yeah. I, I can't even describe. Uh, what an HBCU experience is like. I, I have friends that I went to college with that l- I literally consider my family. And it's just because we were at school at the same time. Doesn't mean we have a very close relationship. It's just if they're going through something, I'm going through something. Perfect example. When the pandemic happened and I went online and I told people, hey, I'm not doing any shows because of the pandemic, but I'm selling these t-shirts. My cash app went crazy. Yeah. And people wasn't even saying, give me a shirt. They was like, hey, man, we got you, man. Listen, if you need anything, oh, let God. me know. That's amazing. 
And it was, it was, oh, it mean, it was, it was at back after back after back after back after back. And I and I was sitting there telling people like, yo, thank you, but stop sending money. Like, please <laughs> stop <laughs> sending money. Like it was getting embarrassing. No, okay. like, I felt like I had a GoFundMe up, like somebody had died and they was trying to raise money for the funeral. Yeah. Like I was like, I was like, yo, like I did not put it, I didn't put anything sympathizing. I didn't, I didn't try to get this, yeah. but I was just like, but it was just like yeah. that whole that whole HBCU thing. And the thing about it was, like once I told my uh my my uh my kid's mother, my ex-wife, I said, yo, don't worry about it. Like you're straight. Like I got all the the money for my um my rent and the child support and stuff this month. She's like, how you do that? And I told her. She's like, get out of here. I was like. I said, you want to see, you want to see my cash at? Wow. And I showed it to her and she was in amazement. She's like, she's like, I still don't, I don't know nobody from college. I don't talk to nobody from college. I'm like, yeah. So the HBCU stories, yeah, the HBCU stories thing is great, man. It's just, if you just pay attention to any of those stories that they tell on there, you would be shocked. Like you would be shocked with, some people weren't even supposed to go to college. They weren't even supposed to go to college and, and their parents might have known somebody that knew mm-hmm. somebody that went to the school and they got a free application. They, they let them in for the first semester and then the person got like a full ride or something. And now this person yeah. like, like got their own company or and it's, it's like a whole oh. bunch of stories like that. You know what I mean? You're like, what? You know, so I that love is- doing that show, man. That's cool. Yeah, no, keep it up, man. Cause like I said, I, let's do a little bit. And it was just, uh, just inspiring stuff, man. Just uh, yeah. it's exactly right, and just cool. You know, it's good, good to hang out too. But yeah, uh, I, I love the idea of the, you know, the, like you said, the professors reaching out. I always like the you know, man. I was a I was a B student. I'm not gonna lie to anyone. Say I was an A student, <laughs> but I was an A student when the professors were m- more in my business. The harder the teacher, the harder the professor, the better I did. Which is embarrassing for me, but also it says a lot about them because I, I have it in me. Mm-hmm. I have the work in me. The classes I wanted to do well and I got eight. Everything else I didn't do as well. So when the you know, I wasn't a, not a math guy. I had a chemistry teacher in high school. I aced everything because accountability. And that was the thing. She forced accountability on me. And it sounds like uh, that's, you know, just someone who puts that extra time and effort and care. That's, I, I'm just, it's really inspiring, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it for a second, like Jason, like think about that for a second. So like you said, we went and did that comedy show at the uh, country club. Right. So they don't know my background. I don't know their background. Right. So if I'm walking into an auditorium type classroom and the professor standing up there, he don't know anything about my background. I don't know anything about his background. His background might be a background of someone who has preconceived notions about black people. Right. So now when I hand my work in and it is B or C work, He's like, yeah, that's what I expect, right? Sure. Then he might see something in somebody that looks like him, and he goes, hey, let me talk to you for a minute. But he might not ever do that to me. Sure. Right? Yeah. But it's not, it's, not, it's not that he's prejudiced or he's racist. He just has a preconceived notion, mm-hmm. and he's never been confronted with the fact that that might be a preconceived notion. And he doesn't know any better. But then when he gets somebody in the class that looks like me that gets straight A's, they go, you're the exceptional one. I go, no, no, no. The other one was exceptional too. You just didn't choose to push them. Right. So that was like the HBCU experiences. Like what we say all the time is, hey, go where you celebrate it and not where you tolerate it. It's like, wow. I'm not saying you can't be successful. What I'm saying is they are going to celebrate your successes and they are going to push you to be more successful in an environment that's built for you. Yeah. 
And when you get done with that, you go out there and you kill the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? You go out there and you someone like, fair. man, listen. Yeah. You know, it yeah. seems unfair that, that that opportunity is there for everybody. You know, and it's just. You would want it to be. I wanted to be there for my kids. I do. I truly do. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I mean, I think people have a general idea of being good people, right? But it, it's all in their background. Right. Like, if you had some effed up parents, you might have some effed up ideas in your head. But then right. I see so many of these young people on TikTok and on these social media apps that's calling their parents out for their bullshit. And I go, hey, they're going to they're gonna be okay and their kids are going to yeah. be okay because they're, they're off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, and then, like I said, it goes the other way because it's some, it's some black parents that's teaching some crazy stuff. You're like, hey, man, don't tell your kids that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it's what it is, man. But yeah, I love, I love doing HBCU stories. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Please, please do keep it up. It sounds like you are going to do that. Um, and I, before we get out of here, I'd like to ask some, some, a little more sort of on the fun side of things. Uh, one is, you got any pet peeves when it comes to comedy? Whether it's comics, stuff they do on stage, bookers, owners, club, audiences. <laughs> we got a whole nother hour. You got a whole nother hour. Listen, so, so like, you should have started with that one, Jason. Listen, so, so you should have like, hey, we got Jay Bliss on here. Jay Bliss, what's those, some of your pet peeves? I'm like, all right, hour number one. Um, listen, so. There's a four-parter. There's a four-parter. Right, 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 right. So. I would say uh, the main the main pet peeve uh, that I might have is uh, is a, a host uh, that doesn't host well. Right on. A host that doesn't understand the importance of his job, her his or her job. Sorry, let me let me correct that. His sure. or her job, uh, running the light, uh, trying to do material in between your ex, and I'm going, look, man, no, like. Your job is not to do that. Your job is to host, which is right. to get the crowd ready, get the announcements right, and keep it flowing. And I and I and I I tell hosts that I work with if I see them screw it up the first show, I give them the same speech that I give anybody, which is you want this to be your show. You want to be engaging enough to the audience so that the audience trusts you and they like you, so that you can tell them that you've brought two of your friends along with you to make them laugh. And that's, that's awesome. how you make it your show. You don't try to upstage anybody on the stage, and you don't try to make it seem like, I'm going to make everybody remember me in the beginning, the middle, and the end. Stop it. Yeah. All you right, know what so I mean? All the comics who are listening to this, if you take anything away from this show, and there's plenty to, to, to walk away with, asking a headliner, a great headliner, what their pet peeve is, they don't talk about anything even in their world. They talk about hosting. That's how important that is. Pay attention. Take notes from mm -hmm. this. Learn how to be a good host. That's something we do preach on the show a lot. I'm sure you've heard that before. So that... And it's great advice. I, I love the sort of the anecdote about making it their show. That's really, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah. I love that. I know we'll have you back on for, for the fifth time and we'll have uh, a pet peeve show <laughs> just for you. Uh, you have uh, uh, any comics out there we should be paying attention to that we might not be paying attention to? Got any favorites out there? Famous? Uh, you know, who, who you listening to? Anybody? And that's something I do ask people too. Is, is are, are you a consumer of comedy or do you just yeah. stay away from it? 
Absolutely, man. I um I watch I watch tons of comedy, man, or comics that are doing things. Um I believe that uh I've been I've been in this TikTok whirlwind for the last four months. And it's not that I'm putting a lot of content up, but I'm watching a lot of content. Um, I am sleeping on TikTok. It's something I've been meaning to kind of check out. I've been sort of... um, This guy, there's a guy on Jason Banks on TikTok. Um, I'm going to write it down. It's freaking hilarious. Um, And it's like his content, it's not even... it's, It's him... Playing a eleven-year-old boy, which is his son. He also plays the son's friend and another son's friend. <laughs> and they all they have on is different sweatshirts. Like that's how you can tell who's who, or whatever. And uh, his son is dealing with uh, some homosexual tendencies and some other stuff. But it's just the interaction. It is so he got two million. He just got the two million followers. Really? And I'm going, dude. Like he does a video like every day, and I'm like, yo, this is so funny and i'm pretty like i've seen his stand-up before oh and really stand-up has nothing to do with what he's doing on stage he's nothing. a creative funny dude right on it's nothing his content has nothing to do with what he's on stage so he has his own thing that he does on stage but he's built this whole audience based off these characters so i felt like yo man like tiktok is definitely something but like that's one like and then otherwise other than that like i'm always like ali Sadiq is a big like i'm a like I feel like yeah. the art of storytelling to me is is huge, and I feel like he knocks it out of the park. Uh, and Marcus D. Wiley is another one. And those two guys were on my podcast, and they both are out of Houston. Yeah. But when I tell you, like, as far as the art of storytelling, like, those guys, they get it. Like, they nail it. They nail it every time. Yeah. Um, so, Ali's yeah, first group is a... He he's one of the most unique voices in comedy, n- new voices I think that is that's out there. I mean, he's been through yeah. the last couple of years. I can yeah, I'll check out Marcus D. Wiley for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exciting, man. Well, uh, before we get out of here, I mean, is there anything coming up you want to tell anybody about? Anything you want to you want to push and or uh, yeah? So uh, I'm told at the end of February, uh, the end of February, uh, my dry bar comedy special should be uh, debuting. So right. that should be out in uh, February of 2021. I don't know if they did it because of Black History Month or whatever, but it's supposed to be out in February. It's supposed to be out in February. And then, and then um, it's just the only other thing is uh, my podcast comes out every Tuesday, which is Bliss's Ignorant Podcast. You can find that on all the streaming uh, applications such as uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Podbean, and Spotify. And then I have my HBCU stories that come out every Tuesday night, and that's on uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Pandora, uh, Pan- no, not Pandora. It's uh, Twitter, which is Periscope. That's Periscope. Oh, right. Uh, you that's can find cool. it on there. So uh, those are the things that I'm doing on a regular basis. And other than that, man, um, I don't know. I'm going to have to hit Brian up the next time I'm ready to do an album. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Um, I was going to say, you've got a really, really good sounding album. Yeah, yeah, it was. Man. It was great, great sound album. Yeah, so yeah, and the album is available on iTunes and uh, Spotify and all that good stuff. And that's TTBS, the album that uh, Brian brilliantly edited for me. So yes, 
Man, that is awesome. I, I can't thank you enough for coming out, coming on the show again uh, and talking to me, man. I, you know, I always like hanging out with you, performing with you. At least, I mean, of course I have you on the show. So thanks for being generous with your time yet again with me. And uh, yeah, man, that, that's our show. We wish you the best of luck. Keep, keep up everything you're doing. I'll, I'll be watching. And I might see you on TikTok, too. I'm going to have to jump on there finally. Yes. Hey, man, just find the lane, man, and find out what you want to do, man. Dusty is on there, too. Dusty does a good job. Oh, on there, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys, that's our show. Uh, thanks for t- uh, tuning in to the Comedy Zone podcast. And, uh, yeah, we will definitely see you next week for uh, Jay Bliss, Brian Baltashevitz. Uh, thanks for listening, gang. Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. 